Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. into the word of the Lord to 2 Kings chapter number 17 2 Kings chapter number 17 and uh, we'll be looking somewhere around the 24th verse 2 Kings 17 verse 24 praise God it's good to see all the Wisnet family back here again with us this evening I know that they're enjoying this opportunity of being able to visit with one another. Praise God. Appreciate them. Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 24, And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cthu, uh, from Ava and from Hathmath and from Seraphim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions. The Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria saying the nations which thou hast removed placed In the cities of Samaria, now know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom he he brought from thence, and let them go and dwell dwell there, and let let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Picking up with verse 32, so they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. And they feared the Lord, but notice this, and served their own gods. They feared the Lord, capital L, the Lord God Jehovah, yet served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Unto this day they do after the former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes or after their ordinances or after their, the law and the command, commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob whom he named Israel. One more verse of Scripture In verse 41, so these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children, their children's children, as did their fathers, so do they unto this day. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images. Contradiction there. I want to preach for the next little while upon this subject, something I've been feeling upon my heart for some time and I just feel that I got the green light tonight to 
maybe preach from this subject, desire without a will. Desire without a will. Let's pray that the Lord would help us in this remainder of service, that he would bless, his hand would be upon us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I'm asking you to bless and minister and anoint the remainder of this service tonight. We thank you, God, for what we've already felt in the worship service. It's already been experienced, your blessing, your presence that is here. We thank you, God, for that, and I'm praying that it would continue in the preaching of the word of the Lord and only intensify as we move near the altar service tonight. I pray, God, for a special touch. Let somebody get victory. Let somebody receive their blessing. Let someone be encouraged in their relationship with the Lord. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, would somebody give praise to that name right now? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Twice in the 17th chapter of 2 Kings, the writer states they feared the Lord, but then it goes on to say that they served their own gods. And in another place it says that they went ahead and served or worshipped their graven images. I personally believe that this passage teaches us that it is possible for a man or a woman to have desire to serve God, yet lack the willpower to break away from his former life or her former life and their former gods. In this story, which is a very intriguing story to me, Israel had been evicted from the land of promise, the land that God had given to them because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion against God. For hundreds of years, the prophets had prophesied and told them that if they did not repent, if they did not get right before God, the Lord was going to send the Chaldeans, he was going to send the Assyrians, the Babylonian armies, and the host of others, and they were going to take them into captivity and carry them away from their native land to become slaves for these other nations. Yet in spite of all of the warnings, in spite of the prophecies that they received, in spite of the men of God that came to tell them of what was going to happen, Israel was captured because of the hardness of their heart. They were carried away into captivity into Babylon, and there they would serve as slaves. It was the Assyrians that carried out this attack. And after they had conquered the land and carried the people of God out of it, the Assyrians would move into these towns that had already been conquered by Israel and established by them. They would move into these villages, these towns, and even cities that had once been inhabited by God's people. And after inhabiting them for some time, the Assyrians woke up one day to discover that their children and some of the other parts of their population were being eaten alive by lions nonetheless. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 25, Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. These cities that had once been a safe haven, these cities that they had conquered and they had possessed, 
and that they were so proud of. These cities were no longer safe. The judgment of the Lord had fell upon them in the form of hungry lions roaming the streets of their city, preying upon their young and upon their elderly. And finally, they began to notice this unusual occurrence, realizing that this was not a typical thing for lions to come into a populated city and to prey upon the people of the city. Finally, someone concluded that this land is not our land, but this land once belonged to God's people. This was once a possession of God's people. This land belongs and has been dedicated unto God. And this is actually, these lions are the judgments of the Lord upon us. Maybe we're doing something that offends Jehovah God of Israel. Maybe we're doing something that uh, has caused this punishment and this judgment to come down upon us. And so someone spoke to the king and after deliberating for some time, he responded by sending for one of the priests to go down to these cities and these places uh, that had once been the nation of Israel and to teach these Assyrians about Jehovah, to teach them about the true and living God. And they respectfully listened. They, they heard the teaching, and they responded in kind. They were touched by it. They actually, the Bible says that they believed what they heard. They understood it. They got a grasp on it. Second Kings chapter 17 And verse 33 says that they feared the Lord. They had a respect for this religion. They had a respect for the teaching of God's people. They they heard it, they responded to it, and they received it to be the truth. But they lacked the mortal or the the fortitude and the moral uh, the moral fortitude to stand up and proclaim. uh, that this is not only something that we believe, but it's something that we're going to practice in our life. They can never really break away from their old lifestyle and their old gods and their old graven images. Their profession was is that we fear the Lord, but their practice was we're going to continue to serve our own gods. If I could say it this way, their desire was... We want to serve the one true and living God. But their will was as we will not break away from our old lifestyles. We will not break away from our old customs and the way that we have lived and the way that we have existed up until this point. They were victims of desire without will. They are trying to appease God but yet please their flesh and uh, the desires of their flesh. They desired somewhat to change, but they loathed the idea of altering their customs and their practices and their way and lifestyle. They tried to get by with this mongrel, mixed-up, half-breed religion when they, they said, we'll embrace a portion of it. We'll accept it to be the truth. 
but we still want to serve our own gods. We want to get by with just doing things as we want to do it. We don't want to go all the way. We don't want to commit. We don't want to fully consecrate. We don't want to fully give ourselves to God. But we want to hold back our own will to make our own choices and our own decisions when it comes to really selling out. We're not going to do it. Amen. I I understand that this is not something that just happens in ancient times, but this is a human trait that is carried on down to the 21st century that you and I live in and that we're a part of. We see this very same characteristic in a lot of people that are in the church or around the church today. People that come to the house of God, people that enjoy the presence of the Lord, Some that even agree with the message that is preached. They do not deny that the power of God is in our midst. They recognize that, hey, the Lord is blessing. That's a place where you can feel God. Those people know how to worship God. Those people know how to get a hold of God in prayer. If you have a need, that's the place to go. If you've got a situation in your life, a challenge arises, uh, that's the church that you can go to. That's the place that you can find help. That's the place where you can get an answer from God. But when it comes to really dedicating themselves and really consecrating and really selling out, that's a whole different subject altogether. We want to hold on to certain attributes and certain things. And we want to hold on to certain ideas and concepts. As far as living for God, we'll do it our way. But we want to access heaven. We want to receive the blessing. We want to feel and experience his presence. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live for God, you got to get to the place that you totally, 100%, sell out to him. You've got to get to the place that you're not holding back anything, that there's no reserves, that you've made up your mind and settled it once and for all in an altar, that I'm going to give my life fully unto God. The Bible says that Abraham was fully persuaded. I don't find anybody that pleased God in the Scripture that wasn't fully persuaded. I find those that were almost persuaded. I find those that were not persuaded at all, but only those that were fully persuaded, those that staggered not in their commitment to God, but continually commit and consecrate themselves unto the Lord and say, God, I want you to know that I'm not here just as a tag-along. I'm not here just because this is a good thing to do on Sunday night. I'm not here just because it feels good to be in your presence. But I'm here because I'm dedicated. I'm here because I'm devoted. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because there's nothing more that means any more to me than being in the presence of God and pleasing the Lord and living for him. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need some fully persuaded folks in this hour. We need some people that are totally sold out to God. Folks that are not looking for a better option. They're not looking for a better way. But they've completely given themselves to the Lord. In them is no divided loyalties. 
but they're sold out to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Their desire is to please Him and to give their life to Him and live for Him in the way that the Scripture says that would be pleasing to the Lord. I'll tell you what God is pleased with. He's pleased with folks that come to his house and say, God, I'm not going to hold back or limit my worship tonight, but I'm going to give you my best. When I come to the house of God, I'm not going to hold back or limit my faith. I'm going to give you my all. When I come to the house of God and it's time to pray, I'm going to pray fervently. When it comes to living for you, I'm going to be totally 100% committed. I'm not just going to be here on Sunday living for you, but when Monday rolls around, I'm going to be just as faithful. When Tuesday comes, I'm still going to be a child of God that's living chaste, that's living pure, that's living right, that's being obedient to your word because I want to be saved. I said I want to be saved. Is that your desire? You want to be saved? Come on, clap your hands and let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 24 tells us about David. I preached a little bit about it this morning, how he got in trouble with God. And, and to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, he went down to Arnon's threshing floor. And he asked if he may use this place as a place to sacrifice unto the Lord. And of course, being the king of Israel, Arnon was quite impressed that he would even ask him Permission in the first place. He said, sure, use it. You can have it, anything that I have. In fact, I'll give you some, I'll give you some sacrifices to offer. And he said, whoa, wait just a minute. He said, I refuse to offer anything to the Lord that does not cost me something. I'm going to tell you to live for God. You've got to count the cost. To be successful in your relationship with the Lord, you better sit down at the table and reason with him. And how many knows that we're serving a reasonable God? There's nothing about living for God that is unreasonable. There's nothing about living for God that is too far out. There's nothing about living for God that is not logical. There's nothing about living for God that doesn't make sense. He is a reasonable God. And it said to sit down at the table and reason with him. Count the cost. Make up your mind that I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there'd be a whole lot less backsliding going on if people would count the cost. There'd be a whole lot less offense in the church if people would count the cost. There would be a whole lot less, amen, in and out and up and down and hot and cold if people would count the cost. I didn't get in this thing to get out. I didn't get in this thing to quit. I I didn't begin this journey to stop somewhere along the way. But I made up my mind a long time ago that I got in this thing to finish. I got in this thing to the end. He said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You need to stay with it, brother. You need to pray through. You need to commit again. You need to make up your mind once more. You need to pray until you get victory. And make up your mind, I'm not in this thing to quit. Praise the Lord. The will is a very powerful thing. Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of me, he said, you first must deny yourself. You don't get to impose your will. This isn't all about you. Ah, this isn't all about you. 
It isn't about my wants and my desires and my deal and what's good for me. It's about what's good for the kingdom of God. You've got to deny yourself. And that's not a one-time ordeal. That's not one time of coming down to the altar and denying yourself and never having the opportunity or need uh, to come down to the altar and do it again. But as long as you live for God, you're daily going to have to deny yourself. As long as you live for God, you're going to have to daily die out to your flesh. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I die daily. It's a daily thing. I'm talking about this man that was spiritual, this man that wrote much of your New Testament, this man that started churches all over the Asian Minor, this man that spoke in tongues more than the rest of them, he said. He had to die to his flesh daily. And you're not exempt either. We're all going to have to die to our flesh because there's something in this flesh that doesn't want to yield sometimes. There's something in this flesh that wants to do it its way. There's something in this flesh that wants to oppose, impose its will. But we got to get to the place that we deny this flesh. That's the only way you can do the other part, and that's take up the cross. And follow him. Don't tell me that you can follow him without denying your will. Don't tell me you can follow him without denying your flesh. You must deny your flesh in order to do his will. Because his will and your will will not coexist together. Amen. In fact, if you live for God any time at all, his will is going to go against the grain. It's going to go against your desires sometimes. It's going to go against what you think is right sometimes. and What you want sometimes. But it's his will. I've got to deny myself. And I take up that cross. And that is not a choice uh, that, uh, uh, you, you know, it's not, it's not a deal that, that, uh, that, that's not that mandatory cross. That's that cross that you got to pick up. That's that cross that you got to take up. Nobody can take it up for you. I'm not talking about the cross of Calvary. I'm talking about your cross. I'm talking about the cross that you got to decide. You got to pick up. And you, you got to say, I'm willing. You, you, you got to voluntarily get underneath it and say, you know what? I'm going to commit myself unto the Lord. I'm going to carry this thing. I'm going to walk this walk. I'm going to fulfill this life. I'm going to do the will of God, whatever it takes. I'm going to please Him. And then, You can follow him. Just fear and respect for God will not produce godliness. Fear and respect alone can only produce really a a synthetic religion where people say, I believe in God, yet they shrug their shoulders and they do just about what they want to do. Amen? You've got to submit your will to God. Matthew 12 and verse 30, he said, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gather not with me scattereth abroad. You can't just hide amongst the stuff. You can't just come and gather with the group. You're either in this thing or you're not. This Bible doesn't talk about those that are in the gray area. It talks about those that are on this side of the line or on that side of the line. Yeah, it's a very polarizing thing it talks about sheep and goats yeah 
It talks about two roads, one that's wide and one that's narrow. It doesn't give a multiple choice. It just talks about two. Amen. It talks about a wide road and a narrow road. And it talks about uh, there being sin and there being godliness. Uh, It talks about there being a heaven and there being a hell. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to choose and make the right decision and the right choice. I want to live for God with all that's in my heart. What did Jesus say? He said, you must serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. With all thy might. Amen. All of these things. It cannot be that I serve him just in one aspect or one area. I just passionately serve him with my emotions when I come to church. I'm the best shouter. I'm the best dancer. I'm the best runner that we got. And I appreciate all of that. But you better get your heart into it. You better get your intellect into it. You better get your might and strength into it. It's not just one dimensional. It's you fully being persuaded. It's you all the way selling out it's you totally committing unto God oh let's lift up our hands and worship him right now come on let's praise the Lord right now hallelujah 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 praise God praise God you got to submit your will Paul said in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When you think about the mercies of God, when you think about how much grace and mercy that you've received, he said, I I want to challenge you to give yourself holy and acceptable unto God as a living sacrifice. Amen. That's total commitment. That's giving everything unto the Lord. Amen. Not not just when things are up here and things are going good and we are blessed and, and it seems like life couldn't get any better. We're floating on the clouds and as we like to say in the seventh heaven and everything's just it's just going along fine. That, that's, that's not the only time, but, but when things aren't so good, still you've got to stay committed to God. John, the sixth chapter, it talks about there were those that followed him during the feeding of the 5,000. You consider that that was just men. There could have been upwards to 25,000 people that gathered there, some theologians say. Could have been as many as 25,000 followers that come to hear that message, and the Lord fed them every one, and there was 12 baskets full, the scripture says, that remained over and above those that were fed until they were satisfied. All of these miracles after miracle that he, he performed, they were there to witness it, and they were there together wherever he was to hear his words, and more than just that, they wanted to see and experience his miraculous power. But long about the 6th chapter of John, he gets to talking to them about commitment. He gets to talking to them about fully consecrating themselves. And he said, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you can't have any part in me. 
And the Bible emphatically says that from that day there was many that walked away and followed him no more. And I don't find Jesus telling his disciples, hey, fellas, go try to head them off. Go try to talk them out of it. Go try to persuade them that they're doing the wrong thing. But the scripture said he let them go. And he turned around to those disciples that were standing there. And he said, will you go away also? Are you going to walk out? Because I'm just telling you, it's going to take this if you're going to make it. It's going to take just what I'm preaching if you're going to be saved. You're going to have to follow me with wholehearted commitment. You're going to have to be totally consecrated if you're going to make it. There's not going to be any shortcuts in this. There's not going to be any easy way necessarily in this. This is not going to be something that's just for the masses and the multitudes to do whatever they want to do with it. But if you're going to commit yourself to God and follow me, there's going to be times when you're going to have to follow me without understanding everything about me. You're going to have to follow me when you cannot feel me. You're going to have to follow me when I don't answer your prayers, when there's no miracles, when there's no loaves and fishes, when there's no bread. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you're still going to have to trust me. You're still going to have to live for me. You're still going to have to walk with me me will you go away and I want you to notice what Simon Peter said in response he said where where shall we go because you have the miracles because you have the loaves and fishes because because you got the power to heal us when we're sick no He said, because you have the word. I'm going to tell you what got you in this church and what will keep you in this church is not a miracle. Amen. And I appreciate miracles. I believe in miracles. And we're going to see some more miracles. Praise God. Every time somebody prays through the Holy Ghost down here, that's a miracle. That's a bigger miracle as you'll ever see. But what got you in this church? The scripture said that you're begotten by the word and it's doctrine. It's the word of God. It's because this is the truth that's going to keep you in the church. And when you get a revelation that there's no other gospel but this, there's no other way but this, you'll say like Simon, where would I go if I left here? This is where the word is. This is where the truth is. I can't leave this. I can't leave truth. I can't leave this revelation. I can't go anywhere else. These are the words of eternal life. Praise God. You need to get that understanding that I'm here because I'm anchored to the truth. I'm in an apostolic church because I'm anchored to the truth. Praise God. You got to get your will in. I said, you've got to get your will involved in this. More than your emotion. Your emotions are like a Richter scale. I mean, up and down, like a bad AKG. I mean, they're... Yeah. I probably shouldn't say this. I get in trouble saying things when I say I shouldn't say them. But I mean, every man in this room... Thank you, brother. Every man has what is called, I guess not, I don't know, I haven't gotten there yet, but a midlife crisis. And women have them other deals. Them affect your emotions, folks. 
And if you serve God based on all that, you probably ain't going to make it. If you serve God based on how people treat you, well, I mean, even the pastor, you know, he's a human being. I happen to know him. He can be offensive sometimes. He can get under your skin sometimes. He don't always perform like you'd like him to. He don't always do like you'd like him to do. But if you're living for God is based on man's performances and how people treat you, you're not going to make it. I'm going to tell you, you better get back to that. Get your foot planted on the word of God because that's what you can stand on when you can't stand on anything else. That's right, my brother. Get your wheel involved in this thing because your emotions will change. You certainly can't control what other people are going to do and uh, uh, how they're going to respond to you and how they're going to act towards you from day to day. But one thing you can control, you can control how you respond and you can make up your mind, I'm committed. I'm in this thing. I'm all in. Praise God. I'm in it because this is where truth is. Praise God. You know, Job, I mean, you talk about a, a trial. We, we refer to the, the trial of Job, and it was quite a trial. I mean, this man in one 24-hour period loses everything. The Bible says it this way, and there came a day. You talk about a day. His world turned upside down. It was a fruit basket turnover in one day. Everything that seemed so secure was out the window. Everything that he thought he had was taken away from him. His wealth, his homes, his lands, his livestock, even his family, and of course his friends. But there's one thing that the devil never really could get from Job. There's one thing he couldn't steal. There's one thing that he couldn't tamper with. It's one thing he couldn't seem to get control over, and that was Job's will. That was his will. Whew. Man, I feel preaching here tonight. He could not tamper with his will as bad as he wanted to. He tried by circumstances to get him at a low where he had stopped living for God. He, he tried every which way he could. He tried friends staring him down. He tried a wife telling him, you need to curse God and die. But Job just made up his mind. I'm going to worship God in these ashes. I'm going to worship God in these bad circumstances. I'm going to worship God when things aren't going so well. I'm going to worship God in spite of it all. Amen. Though he slay me, Yet I'll trust him. Though I'm here and I don't understand why I'm here. Amen. Naked I came to this world. Naked I go thither. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to worship him. He's still worthy. Regardless what I'm going through. I wish somebody get a hold of that tonight and say, devil, you may take away this or that. You may be able to tamper with a few things here on earth, but there's one thing you'll never get a hold of, one thing you'll never be able to transgress. There's one thing you'll never be able, amen, to ever get me to turn back on, and that is that I'm going to serve God. My will's involved. My will's involved. My will's involved. I will worship when I come to church. I will pray. 
pray and have faith when I come to the house of God. I will be faithful to the Lord. I will. Somebody say, I will. You know what you got to do? You just got to get all in. You got to get all in. I'm not going to preach much longer. Just ride with me a little bit. Yeah, man. You just got to get all in. We used, to, we used to go swimming at this place in Missouri called Roaring River. Roaring River is a big old cave. And out of that cave, there's a water that comes bowling up out of the ground. It, it forms. That's the head of the river. It comes out, out of the, out of the uh, for me, under the surface of the earth. And it's a river that's flowing underneath that suddenly comes to the surface. And thousands, I forget how many thousands of gallons of water. And they have big fish hatchery there. We'd go fish. But after a hot day of fishing, Many times we would go to an area that they had for swimming. Now, you know any kind of spring-fed river, it's going to be cold. Yeah, I'm talking about real cold. I'm talking about purple lips cold. I'm talking about bring your temperature down to zero cold. Shivering bone aching cold and we we'd start daring one another before the time came said you know you just got to jump in boys and I'd watch some of them they'd walk up there to the edge and if they ever went like this they weren't going swimming that day if they ever just reached out there and put their toe in it it wasn't going to happen they're just going to talk themselves out of it. They say, whoo, it's too cold today. I can't go swimming. But you know, those of us that knew, the only way to do it was just to, when you saw, got inside of the river, is just to break into a full sprint and start running. And the last one in, well, just jump on in and dive in and start swimming. Praise God. And that'll just about take your breath away and just about cause you to lose it. Amen. But suddenly when you, you got a little bit used to it and you started enjoying it, to, but the only way to get in is to go dive in. The only way some people are ever going to make it living for God is to dive into it. Is to give everything. They, there's no way to live for God going around the bank and the edges tapping, tapping the edges of the water, wondering if you can stick your toe in it and feel it out, wondering if it's going to be all right and you're going to be able to make it. No, that's no way to live for God. You got to dive into the will of God. You got to dive into the work of God. You got to submerge yourself and get in the will of the Lord. Hallelujah. Make up your mind. I'm not holding back. Praise the Lord. We got this swimming pool in Chanel. Chanel, she she don't know it's September. Getting on into October now. And we shut them things down. She said, come on, let's go swimming tonight. I said, my Lord, I got a gauge in that thing. I'll bring it up and look at it. I said, mm, I ain't going swimming tonight. She said, well, I am. She said, I'm just going to jump in. She went down on that diving board, one for the money, two for the show. And she just, down on the deep end. When she come out, you could hear her shrilling a block away. She was splashing. She was happy. Because she just jumped on in. And I got the feeling. She said, if you put your foot in there and feel around, you're not ever going to get in, Daddy. I said, you're right. I said, that is entirely too cold. Come on, 
And some of you need to quit splashing along in the shallows and dive into the deep. Do like the Lord showed Ezekiel. Said, don't get in ankle deep. Don't, don't get in knee deep. Don't get in waist deep. Don't, don't, don't get up in shoulder deep. But get in waters to swim in. Because as long as you're standing in shallows, you can control what's happening in the current. You can control yourself in the current. But when you get out there over your head, the current's in control of you. You gotta flow with it. You gotta go with it. Amen. You gotta go with wherever it takes you. That's where it needs to be in your walk with God. Is you, you saying, God, I'm yielded. I'm surrendered. I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life. Praise God. Praise God. We need somebody like Ruth that told Naomi. Naomi said, you can stay here. You don't know nothing about Bethlehem. You can stay here in Moab. She said, not on your life. She said, where you go. She said, don't entreat me to leave you where you go. I will go. I will go. Where you lodge, I I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. And where thou diest. Come on, did you get in this thing looking for a better thing to come down the pike some point? That, you know, if I get a better deal, I'm going to go with that. Praise God. Some people, that's the way they live their life. When I get a better deal, kind of like folks in their marriage. When they get married, first first two or three weeks, man, it's an awesome deal. And then two or three months later, it's a raw deal. Six months after that, they're looking for a new deal. Come on now. Did you get in this thing looking for a new deal? A better deal? And if something comes along that's better off for me, that's what I'll do? Or did you make up your mind when you got in the church, I'm in it for the long haul? Where thou diest, I will die. And where you're buried, I will be buried. It's more than just desire. It's more than just a pipe dream. But I got my will involved. You know, some people, they require more attention than others to get by. They got to be pumped. They got to be primed. They got to be petted. They got to be conjoled. They got to be begged. They got to be called. They got to be pleaded with. They got to be, I'm a pastor, I know. They got to be patted on. They got to be treated preferentially. Yeah. Just to live for God. It's it's daily coercion just to live for God. I'm going to tell you, you must not love Him like I love Him. Amen. I don't care whether you folks speak to me tonight. I'm still going to be here serving God when it comes tomorrow. And I I want you to speak to me. But I I don't care whether or not you shake my hand tonight. I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to live for God. Amen. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still going to serve Him. Hallelujah. Because I made up my mind. It's my will to live for God. Come on, we we know that there are things that are God's will. It's settled. When it's God's will, it's forever settled. God's not a schizophrenic that changes his will on a daily basis like some of us. When it's his will, it's his will. Praise God. What he said, he will do, the scripture says. It's his will. It needs to become your will. 
Come on, it's his will that we have revival. It needs to become all of our wills that we have revival. It's his will that we see people routinely getting the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. It's got to become your will. More than just a desire. More than this, that a boy preacher, I'm with you. Oh, more than just, yeah, I'd like to see it happen. But there's somebody that said, you know what? That, that's the will of God. It's going to be my will. When I come to the house of God, that's what kind of, that's what kind of attitude I'm going to have. It's going to be my will. It's going to be my will to worship and create an atmosphere. It's going to be my will to pray and, and to make sure that the service is anointed. It's going to be my will to release faith so that God can move. It's my will to have revival. Is there anybody that's made up your mind that's your will? We know it's God's will, but is it your will? Have you decided that this is it's not just a desire with me, but this is the will of God, and it's going to become a will with me. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Not only is it a desire, I've got a desire to be in the presence of the Lord, but I will seek after it. Come on. If you young people would get a hold of what I'm talking about here tonight, there's no trend, there's no lewd spirit, there's no demon of hell that can discourage or disappoint you to the place that you would ever give up in your relationship with God. But you'd be here. You'd still be here 20 years from now if the Lord tarries. Come on, I don't mean in the same same spiritual state doing the same things. I'm talking about still living for God, being even greatly blessed of the Lord and seeing greater things in God and seeing how God has worked in your life. You see, sometimes we go along living for God and we, we don't notice or we don't, we're not able to see the progress and mark the progress. Amen? We're unable to mark the progress. But if you look back five years and take a little survey of your life and you look back ten years and you've been living for God all this time, you've been being faithful, you've been giving to the Lord, you've been serving God, you've been living right, you can look back and say, you know what, how far the Lord has brought me and all the things. I believe it was Brother Rodney that testified tonight of where the Lord has brought him from and through and to this point. I'm telling you, if you serve God, he'll take you places. If you'll serve God, you'll always be progressing when you serve God you'll always end up more blessed oh yeah when you serve God you'll always end up better than what you used to be as you walk with him as you serve him your life will be blessed serving the Lord why don't we stand our feet lift our hands to God right now